Thanks for tuning in to the Yes You Can Girl podcast. I'm Karen C. Logan, Christian life coach, author, and CEO at YesYouCanGirl.com, a Christian ministry for women. We're here to share stories of God's love, healing, and redemption, how He's calling women to help others, and sharing our wisdom and insight with the next generation. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Yes You Can Girl podcast. My name is Karen C. Logan. I am a Christian life coach, author, and CEO at YesYouCanGirl.com. I am so excited to be able to bring to you Miss Janice Humble of Agape Service Foundation. Janice, I just cannot wait to just share your story and just what you have meant to me as a person. Most of all, just to God to be glorified in this message today, I just so drawn to you because of there's so many trials that you have gone through Mm -hmm. that some of us have never experienced but yet you are still here and you're still worshiping it's like you are still serving and who is this magnificent God (laughs) that keeps allowing you to go forward and so Janice welcome to the show I'm so glad to have you well you know I'm so happy to be here this girl I just love this girl she just really I told her she, I'm at 73 years old and how much she inspires me and just, she just kind of causes me to just keep on, keep on. You know, in Psalm 92, it says, Karen, you know, we will bear fruit even in old age and the Lord will strengthen us. Well, I grew up in Methodist church and I had good parents and I just thought everybody that it was good was going to heaven, Karen. You know, if you were just a, a good girl and you were going to heaven, but one day, when I was in college at Western, this uh, girl from Campus Crusade for Christ came and visited me in my room. And she quoted John 3.16. And she said it in such a way. She said, for God so loved Janice. And she said my name. Instead of, you know, I used to kind of think, well, we're all just a number and we're here. But I didn't realize what an intimate relationship that we could have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he does know our name, Karen. You know, you're not, you probably think I'm I'm Charlie's uh, wife. You know, I'm the children's mother, I'm this and that. But there's something about, I love you, Karen. You are my child. So, you know, we, when we identify and have that intimate walk with him, and that began a journey with me just knowing how intimate I could be with the Lord. And my husband and I married. We both graduated from Western and and got our uh, bachelor's and master's from Western. Life was good. We married in 1970 and we lived in Hopkinsville for a while and Mike worked at Western State and I substituted because I wanted to be at home with the children. And well, God had different plans. Mike's father started the Agape Ministry in 1971, and he passed away suddenly at age 56 Mm. in 1981. Well, we had three sons by then, and and you know, I I just knew that third son, when he came, Matthew, I thought, well, now this is probably the girl, you know. I just planned on having two, and I said, I guess the Lord wants us to have a girl. Well, when Matthew was born, I said, Mike, his name is Matthew, and that meant gift from God. In 1982 of January, Mike took over the ministry after his father died. We had no income, you know, other than what I was substitute teaching. I thought, God, how can we do this? How, how can we do this? You know, if you're calling us to do this, 
because we don't get grant money. And we, you know, we're not funded by the government. But God has made a way and he's providing that. Don't get me wrong. Have there been times where I say, okay, God, you called us to do this. Mm-hmm. But, it, but the finances sure are low, you know, but he would always, we've never been hungry. We've always had a place to live. We've always had clothes to wear. And what does the scripture say? Having food and clothing to be content. Right. So God's been so good to us through the years in providing. And have we always wanted maybe all our wants? Uh, No, but you know, we don't always need those wants anyway. And I, you know, I'd say, Lord, I want my desires to be your desires. You know, it's not what we desire, but I want it to be your desire. I've learned that he is El Shaddai, that he is more than enough. Well, of course, we were busy raising our children, and Mike's traveled through the years with mission work because we have mission work overseas. And he started in prison ministry in 1975 at Eddyville State Penitentiary. And if any of you know, that's where our death row is in the state of Kentucky. Well... I thought, man, going to the prison, wow, this is... He would go on Sundays with these older men and they taught him how to do prison ministry. And I remember passing by Karen Eddyville uh, State Penitentiary. And this was before it was flooded with Lake Barkley put in front of it. Oh. And it was a town and you'd go right through through town. And I'd look up at that when we'd go down to the lake and I'd look up at that big old prison. It looks like a castle. And I was so scared of that place. And lo and behold, what I've ever thought after 30, 40 years going in there. And that's what we've been doing ever since then. But you know, we do jail ministry too. And of course this last year, we haven't been able to get in all the prisons, but we will be going back in. And we go to Western Kentucky and we go to Cash, Ross Cash, that's a women's prison. And uh, also Green River. But, you know, I wouldn't have ever thought about doing this, but it's, it's somebody's child. And I've told the men and women, I said, you're, you're somebody's child. And I would want someone to go and minister to my child if they were in jail or if they were in prison. So we have to love them, not what they did, but love them through the eyes of Christ and see them as a person. They may have done wrong, but they're still people and they need to know the love of God. Right. So in in ministering to the women, they are women and they need to know that they are loved, that God has not forgotten them. So the women, the the jail ministry and the women that are in there, that is so impactful that you just, you just, that God has allowed you to see them individually as people and the purpose of taking the gospel into the jail. Some of them have had such horrendous lives. You know, but the scripture tells us in Matthew, if you see someone hungry, feed them. If you see someone needs clothing or if you're in prison. So basically, we just do what the scripture says. You know, Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me. And that's just doing what the scripture says. A lot of people say, well, I don't know what to do. What I don't know what to do for the Lord. Just do what the scripture says to do. But anyway, with these women, yes, some of them have a real hunger. And just to, to know that they've been forgiven, Karen. And I think the, the one thing, of course, a lot of them, you know, have been abused when they were younger and they haven't had good examples of parents. But if they can come to the realization of how much 
the Lord loves them and that he can forgive and he will forgive if you come to him. You know, our, our office administrator, she helps to get a lot of them in drug programs, Teen, teen Challenge and other programs, just trying to get them in a faith-based. Right. And that's the thing of taking the gospel into the women. And some of them respond and, and some of them don't. Yeah. But they love for you to come because they can feel the love. They know yeah. if you're real when you come in there, yeah. if you really care about being there. They know that if you really care for them. Something you told me back last fall, you said that a lot of these women don't know what true love is, that they mm -hmm. think it's physical only because of their abuse. Right. Oh, that, that just really stuck with me. And they think that's normal. You know, if abuse or being mistreated, a lot of them think that that's just the way life is normal, but you don't have to live that kind of life. There is freedom in Christ, whom the Son is set free and is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen. So they can find liberty if they so desire. Tell me a little bit more about your marriage. We talked about y'all being married 51 years, and he's been a chaplain, it sounds like, most of those years uh, yeah. in, in marriage. So what has it been like for you as a chaplain's wife? You know, a lot of us, I know personally, just struggling with my own relationship with God and getting that right, knowing I've got a spouse to take care of. And then you're just a mother to a lot of of people. And, and tell me about what it's like to be basically a pastor's wife. Well, you know, do, do I ever get uh, frustrated with it? Of course I do. <laughs> Do you ever get discouraged? Of course I do. I wanted to read something on our 40th uh, anniversary, and that's been 11 years ago. Uh, my husband and I uh, wrote a reflection on our 40 years together, and I said, can I honestly say that I knew what real love was when I married your daddy on Saturday, the April the 4th, 1970, at the United Methodist Temple in Russellville, Kentucky? I think not. We had dated for five and a half years, and we felt that God had put us together to be husband and wife. I have found that true love comes with time, maturity, trials and testings, and getting to know God, my Heavenly Father, Jesus, my Lord and Savior, and His Word. I said the love between a husband and wife must be nurtured and tended to at all times. Having the enjoyment of planting flowers and vegetables and watching them grow, I can see the comparison of that with a marriage. I have to watch for the weeds that will grow also and try to overtake the plants. Dead parts often have to be removed in order for greater beauty to come forth. A marriage must be tended to and cared for just like a garden. You must watch for things, even seemingly good things, that will try to creep in and cause disunity between you and your spouse. Marriage is work. And too many people are, are give up too easily I think today in time. I said, you've often heard the old statement, grass is greener on the other side of the fence. However, grass is not greener on the other side, but it's greener where it's watered. Keep your marriage watered, even in the times when you may seem to be in a drought and you aren't feeling a lot of love towards your spouse. I've been there. I've done that. And I, I think probably most in most marriages, if people are honest, they sometimes think, 
I just don't like him today. I don't <laughs> like the way he's acting. I don't like the way he looks at me. Yeah. You know, right. or what he said to me. Keep the lines of communication open. Express your feeling to one another. Seek to understand one another. And never go to bed or leave home when you're angry. The most important thing in keeping your marriage together is to learn to pray together over small and big matters and decisions. The agreement between a husband and wife is probably the greatest on earth because you are one as husband and wife. It's not in how long you pray, but that you pray. Have devotion time together as a family. And I said, as you well remember growing up, it seemed like distractions would come when it was time for devotion, but you press on anyway. And we always tried to have devotion. Well, you can imagine with three boys, when we would say, okay, boys, it's time to have devotion. I mean, it was like everything broke loose, every kind of distraction. Well, I want something to eat or, or I need to do this or I need to do that. But I said, you have to press on. Have I ever wanted to call it quits? You betcha. Have I ever thought, God, are you sure he was the one you wanted me to marry? I sure have. Have I ever thought, this is too hard? You better believe it. As the old saying goes, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Where do you go? To the Lord and His Word. And I had Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, you put me with this man, and I know that. So your Word says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So those are just a few things that I, I wrote down for our sons to reflect back on. We have been through divorce with, you know, our children, and that's been a very hard thing because we try to instill in them love right. that we have for one another. So everything is not going to be perfect in a marriage. I know when you, you first marry, lots of times you think of a fairy tale marriage, mm -hmm. but I, I guarantee you, if you put your trust in the Lord, and then if you seek His face and uh, lots of forgiveness in a marriage, and like I said, there's not every day that you particularly like one another. And, you know, in the middle of the night when He's called out on chaplain calls, and of course I'm a chaplain too with the first responders, so sometimes I might go with Him and then sometimes I, I don't. And you have the distractions of the phone ringing lots of times when, or maybe we had plans to do something. Yeah. But you know, you just have to trust the Lord. Well, Lord, I, I know that he's got to go or, or going overseas or, are you sure? Mike, are you sure the Lord's telling you to do that? And here I am, because I, I kind of have to deal with, I like to analyze things and I, I like to know, are you sure about that? But then when he says, yes, Janice, the Lord's telling me to do that, then I have to trust. I have to trust my husband right that he's trusting right. the Lord. You know, in my marriage, I've been married for 17 years, nowhere near what you guys but have But that's a long time, but, this day and time. But I have to say that what you're saying is exactly true and that what's popped up the most for us is like, why is everybody else happy? And mm -hmm. it always seems like that's what Satan would have you think is everybody else mm -hmm. is all, you know, I mean, I know you see a lot of divorce, mm -hmm. but Satan always wants you to feel like that, that Every why do why do they why are they so financially well why are they right. you know so happy all the time and it's just 
you have to realize that those are the moments that people want to share with you. So you're mm -hmm. going to see those highlights. You're not going to mm -hmm. see all the struggles and all the different right. things. So that's another reason why I want so bad to talk about those things mm -hmm. in these the podcast and things like that. And with married for 40 years, yeah, I would never have thought you would have said what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed you were looking at me like, you know, like this is real, you know, this is real. But this, this is, is reality. Yes. This is, yes. and this is survival. Right. You know, how do you survive? The only way that we've survived is letting Jesus be in, in charge. Because the enemy is here to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's a liar. And exactly. that is, he is, he is trying to roar, roam about and just stir things up and to trip us up and all of those things. And it's like God is here as a foundation, as a solid rock for us to stand on while the waters are just whipping all around us. And I just love mm -hmm. that you are so just vulnerable in saying that because, you know, most people don't say those things and you right. feel that way in silence, in the loneliness, you know. But if we really were true to say what is really going on, we would all be more likely to stand on that, stand together, mm -hmm. grow from our experiences right. and, and together be closer with God. But on the other hand, now that I say that, God calls you as a spouse to grow together with your spouse exactly. in those hardships. Exactly. And so that's something that I have learned, especially is that when we get in each other's way and we start getting irritated with one another and all those different things, God is calling us to stop and to call that out right. and to apologize all those things that you need mm -hmm. to work out with your spouse so so it is good to talk about that I agree and it is good to have good Christian girlfriends mentors and things like that to guide you and right. lead you to know that that's normal but again it's standing on the foundation of God together with your spouse and growing mm -hmm. but you know Karen if we always just made everything just seem so happy and joyful and that you don't ever have any problems or anything how could you bring hope or yeah, encouragement right. to others that are going through such difficult times. Right. And you know, uh, we even experienced that. It's been nine years since both of us have had diagnosed with cancer. Mike was diagnosed in 2011 with prostate cancer, and he had some treatment for that. Well, six months later, I had just a normal mammogram. And they called me and they said, well, we need for you to come back and do another one. I thought, I guess they messed up some way. And so I went back and then they called me again. They said, well, we need to do a biopsy. I was like, a biopsy? You know, I've never had any trouble. So they did the biopsy and, and they called me one day. And Mike was in Kosovo at that time. And the doctor called me. I was at home by myself. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you. Miss Humble, you know, you have carcinoma and you have cancer. And, you know, I was by myself. And, of course, my children were grown. And I got off the phone and I sat there a minute and I said, cancer? And, Karen, I remember saying this. I said, God, I want you glorified in this some way. Somehow you've allowed this to happen. You know, I know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But for some reason, this has been allowed to happen, and I want you glorified in it. So mm -hmm. I went and took communion. I went in the living room and took communion myself at home. And, of course, I was able to tell Mike on the phone later what had happened, and he felt bad that he wasn't there. But anyway, I didn't do the chemo. I said, I'll do the radiation. But, you know, I, 
that was 33 radiation treatments. I went five days a week for six weeks. And I got to meet some people. One of the ladies that I got to meet that, that helped me in that time with the radiation, you know, we drew close to one another and I talked to her about prayer and all. And I saw her sometime later on. She says, you know what, I'm praying with my patients now. Oh, wow. And, you know, they would say, well, we've got to go out of the room, Miss Humble because they had to leave when they were doing the radiation. So I was there and I thought, well, you know, y'all have to leave, but you know, I just envisioned the Lord right there with me. He didn't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. He was walking through this journey with me. Wow. So that's been nine years ago and I'm just, you know, I'm thankful for that. But the hardest journey that we've had to walk is losing our son, our youngest son, Matthew. He just turned 37 and we went to Vanderbilt and he was a police chief. He'd been a police officer for 13 years and he was having issues and we went to Vanderbilt and they found out and this was in 2018. I just lost my mother the year before in 2017. Wonderful mother. Nothing, I couldn't say anything negative about her. She was always there. At Vanderbilt, they said, well, he has bile duct cancer and there's nothing we can do. Oh. And so we stayed there for eight days and we came home and he was divorced, but he had two children and they were at the time 11 and 13. And we brought him home. We, he'd worked right up until then. He was an excellent police officer and showed lots of love and compassion, you know, to people because we've had so many people tell us what a good officer he was and that he did this. And one lady said, well, he bought me gas one day and I think he bought a pair of shoes for a young boy and just different things that, that he didn't always share. We took care of him three and a half weeks at home. S several hundred people, we just opened up our home and let people come and visit with him. Mm. It was the hardest journey to give your child up I remember one particular day that I, I was just, you know, I, we had to be strong for him, but he was strong for us. It was almost like he knew what he had to do when he came home from the hospital. And he did it with such dignity. My oldest son's a doctor and he said, I've only seen one other Marine die like him. And that was in Iraq when he was taking care of Marines as a doctor then. And he just died with dignity. One day when I, I remember just thinking, you know, you just was just so overwhelmed. And it was like the Lord, I was riding piggyback oh. on his back. You know how you just get up on, you mm. kind of wrap your legs around your arms. And, and I just saw myself that day that he was just carrying me in that away. And there was also times that the Lord would remind me that his mother, Mary, had to watch him suffer, be beaten and all in order for my son Matthew to receive his healing and to have eternal life with him. And the Lord would remind me what his mother had to go through as we watch Matthew, a big, strong, healthy guy, you know, lose his muscle tone. I remember one day standing by the side of the bed and just he and I were in there and I said, enough is enough. You know, I'm just watching him. He didn't have to suffer a whole lot and that was the mercy of God. But it was a journey that I would not wish on my worst enemy in losing a child. But I know where he is, 
And are there days where we cry? Yes. You know, I, I cried last night watching something who had lost a loved one. Mike and I look at sunsets and we'll think, oh, I wonder what Matthew's seeing right now. But you know, we were all gathered around the bed that day when he died and Lily, his daughter, who was just, she was daddy's girl. And I was rubbing his face, telling him it was okay to go on. And Lily was holding on to his arm on the other side of the bed. And finally I looked at her and I said, Lily, you're gonna have to let daddy go. Karen, as soon as she told him that, Daddy, it's okay to go on. His, the breath in him was gone, just immediately. And we had wonderful service with him. And I have to tell this story real quick. When he was working undercover with the drug task force, he, he was telling us how the guy was standing behind him with a gun to his head. And when, and when the boys were young, my mother, which we couldn't afford, but she would buy Lucky Charm cereal for them, the sugar-coated oh. stuff. So she would always have that for them. Well, he said he looked over and he saw a box of Lucky Charms where he was. And he said he started talking to this person about Lucky Charms and his grandmother buying him Lucky Charms. And, uh, Matthew had a sense of humor. That guy, Karen, moved that gun just enough for Matthew to be able to reach back and take that gun away from him. And I said, Matthew, God will go to any length to spare your life, even with using a box of Lucky Charms. You know, God can use anything, yeah. Karen, in order to, to protect us and show His mercy and His grace. So I, I, that story has just always amazed me, and we shared that at my mother's uh, funeral and uh, also at, at his funeral. So God will go to any length to take care of you. Tell me how God has used you together as a couple moving forward into ministry. Oh no, God is first and then your spouse is second. How do you discern between maybe what your husband has felt led to do versus maybe what God has led you to do? Well, I think staying in, in unity, you know, of course we don't always agree on everything. He's one of these go-getters. You know, as soon as God tells him to do something, he's ready to do it. And I'm one of these, well, let's think about it. You know, are you sure? Well, do we have the funds to do that? And sometimes I just have to let him, if he feels led, just let him go and do that. And, 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 and just trust. Right? And I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'll support him, even though I may not be so excited as he right. is yeah. about it. I have to trust the Lord that's in him, that he's, that he's leading him. But I think one important thing is praying together. Right. We try to read a little devotion together and then pray to start the day. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we don't have time when we've got to go our separate ways. But uh, keeping that line of communication open and the Word of God, Karen, I cannot stress enough the Word of God. If I had not had the Word of God through the years, and there's been you know, a lot of other things that we've, you know, trials and tests that we've had to go through, I don't know that I could have made it but His Word has been a lifeline for me. It's sustained me. It's kept me. It tells us over there in John 15:5 about abiding in Him and that we can do nothing without Him. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the warfare that's out there today, 
I think a lot of people in church, they don't recognize spiritual warfare, but it's real. Yeah. We're in spiritual warfare every day, and that's where your spirit's worn against the spirit of the world that's trying to speak into your life. We're hearing so many voices today. I mean, voices from everywhere saying this is just like with the CDC, you know, you, you wear a mask one day, well, you don't the next day, or, or you do this. And we've got a real enemy out there, yeah. and he doesn't like us. And, it, and it's warfare, and the quicker we can recognize who the enemy is. I know we had two sons. That was, that's another story, that were in Iraq at the same time. Our oldest son was a doctor traveling with the Marines. I remember in 2002, one of them called, and he said, I'm going to be leaving in January. He was stationed at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. Our other son was stationed in Camp Pendleton on the west coast. So I, we had one on the east coast and the west coast. Well, one was leaving one week on a ship and the other was leaving the next week. I, it brings tears to my eyes to think about today. But anyway, and it was when we didn't have telephones that they could pick up and tell us, right. you know, we had to wait for letters or, or we did when they were on the ship, we were able to email. God was just so good in all that. And you know, as a mother, we just, I remember saying, I said, Lord, both of them? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, why not your sons? You would want somebody else's son to go and fight for you. And I thought, yes, Lord, they're getting the cream of the crop, <laughs> you know. But I, I did think, why both of them? After they got, they got to Kuwait, and I don't know if you you remember, this was in 2003, in March of 2003, and we were sitting in front of the TV because it's, you know, they were getting ready to go into the war. Well, Jason said after he got there and they were waiting, he said, I asked if I could borrow a Humvee and go find my brother to see if I could find him. Do you know that they weren't very far apart? Now, this was one son that left from California and one from um, North Carolina but he was able to find Brian, and they spent about an hour and a half together, oh. and then they went to war the next day. And so they didn't see each other for until God, and God just did this, you know, even just for me and for them. They ran into each other. Now, what are the odds of them running into each other about a month later? And they saw each other, and they were able to spend just a little time together. I've got a picture of them in their camouflage and everything and they were able to spend a little time. But God was just allowing them to see each other, to know that, yes, I'm still alive, Brian. Yes, Jason, I'm still alive, to let them know that. Oh, and that was, that was just a God thing. That was just God's divine appointment. Yeah. And Jason told us a story about one night. He was in artillery. And one night, the, it was just like Black Hawk Down, if you've ever seen that movie. Just the fire was going off, the helicopters, the smoke and everything. And he said, but all of a sudden, he said, I felt the presence of God, because he'd been claiming Psalm 91. And he said, I knew my Marines and I were going to be okay. Wow. So he wrote back home his, to us and told us about that. But in the meantime, we had friends, we had a missionary friend that was in the country of Sikkim, which is over by Nepal and uh, Bhutan and over in that area. 
and he had said he had people praying for our sons. Wow. God's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he has people everywhere. He told me before the boys went to Iraq, he said, Janice, I'm already there. I thought, oh, I'm so thankful you are there. But anyway, we got a letter from Chatra, our friend, and he said, you know, we have people praying for your sons. And it was the same time Jason wrote us back and he said that was the same time that he felt that presence of the wow. Lord, that those people in another country, yeah. thousands of miles away, had been praying for them. So wow. you, you can't tell me that, mm -hmm. that God's not a far, not a God that's far away, but he's a God that's very near and he's everywhere. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story and just those intimate moments. Right here in this room is a part of Agape, Service Foundation. Share a little bit about what you do every day, what this organization does. Hey. Well, every day when I come, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. It's a challenge every day. Of course, we have burden bearer chaplains, and that got started when Mike went uh, to New York. He and two other men flew up there on a little plane to New York, and they help they help serve out coffee and all at the piles after 9/11. Well, he came back home and he said, you know, I feel like uh, they need chaplains in rural America with these EMS. You've got your firemen, your police officers. So he started that, their uh, chaplains, uh, you know, just carrying each other's burdens and helping each other. So he got that started, and I guess it was years ago. And, uh, you know, that's we've got several chaplains, and, and I, I help. You know, we go on wrecks, we go on suicide calls, and we had an officer's dinner for the officers just the other day, the police officers just honoring them. So we, we've got some great chaplains that go on these calls and, and see some horrible things, but they're there to be with the families. They're there to be with the officers because they have to go home with these things, right. the firemen. You know, it's it's hard to turn those things off sometimes when you've been to a suicide and then you have to go to, to the next right. call and then the next call and the next call and you don't have opportunity to really deal with what you've been doing right. all along. So he, he started that. We have an orphan's home in Bangladesh that was started. We've had it 10, 15 years now where we take in children that need a place to go, that don't have family. And of course, Teresa, Teresa and Larry Ritchie, they're our directors. Then we have work in Mexico, working with the prisons there. We have a director of the prison that goes in the prison in Haiti. Then we have, I was trying to think, we have Word of Testimony, that we do a radio program five days a week, just people sharing testimonies. We have the Carico Center here, where we provide food and clothing and household items for the public to come in and the public brings their items here for us to be able to give away. We take a donation if they have a donation to help keep you know, lights on and everything. So we do that at Christmas. We have uh, our Christmas outreach, Brother Joe's Family Christmas that we've been doing for many, many years. I've helped with that 20 something years. Of course, Brother Joe Carrico, we named it after him because he started it in 1954, I think it was. So we try to provide food and toys for the children at Christmas. What does the future look like for Agape? Is there 
need for volunteers? You know, is, is there a younger generation coming up of people who want to serve? You know, Karen, I, I don't know. With the world we're living in today, I know God will have His people You're right. in place. Yep. And I don't know how that would take place. But you know, a servant's heart, you don't see that a whole lot like we need to. You know, how can I serve you? You know, what can I do? Because right. we're, seems like we're directing more toward how can you serve me? You know, it's a more of a me. What can you do for me? But to have a servant's heart, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. But to serve. So when you find somebody that's got a servant's heart, you have to really grab a hold of them and uh, say, hey, I've got, to, you know, if you come up here, I can find you something to do. <laughs> sure I can, can find you something to do. We were having a dinner that we try to have every year at Eddieville State Penitentiary and two of the other prisons, but we're having one this week where we serve the administration. Not only do we want to go in and minister to the men and women that are in the jail or prison, but we want to honor those that take right. care of them. Right. So we've been doing that for a number of years, uh, providing H&H, they provide uh, steak and potatoes and we get desserts and, and uh, serve the administrations and the people really appreciate it. Those officers in those prisons, they have a hard job. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's a hard job. And, and this year in particular, they've lost a lot of officers, you know, due to so much going on. Well, I just, that God laid that on my heart, just thinking about the future of people to serve Him and mm -hmm. that we should be praying for that. And yes, yes. God will provide right. with whoever he has right. in, in in mind, you know, for people to do. But that is a great thing to be per mm -hmm. just praying for. Well, it says the labors are few, you know, the harvest is white, the right. fields are uh, wide into harvest, right. but the labors are few. Yep. But if people will listen to the Lord, he'll direct them. Like I said uh, earlier, a lot of people say, well, you know, I just don't know what to do. I don't uh, know what God's called me to do. Well, ask him. Right. Ask him. Yeah. He'll tell you. He'll direct you. Yeah. He directed you to do yeah. what you're doing. Right. That's right. Not only do you listen, but you obey. Obedience, Obedience is one of the is, key things. You know, I was reading a book recently talking about that your job is obedience and God's job mm -hmm. is everything else. And that is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. It, But it sparks with the, I want more. God sparks this thing of you inside of, I want more. And how do you get more is spending more time with him and getting exactly. to know what, what his purpose for you is. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to just say a big thank you to who you have been to me as just, mm -hmm just a spiritual leader, as a mentor, as someone who I know knows God and lives it and just has your feet planted. And I don't even know how many people you have impacted, but I know I'm one. Well, you've impacted my <laughs> life too. You don't so. know how much. You know, I do want to share this uh, scripture in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him yeah. and He will direct our paths. That's right. And sometimes we don't want to acknowledge Him. We get too busy and we, f we forget to ask Him. Yeah. 
that's a key thing not to right. lean on our own understanding and that's the thing that he has showed me over time is that his word is what we should stand on and claim it right. it's not a i might direct your path is that mm -hmm. I, I will direct mm -hmm. your path and that's the way his word is it is solid and it is a statement exactly. it's not an if and or whatever and I love that about God. He was the same yesterday, today, and he will be the same tomorrow. Mm. And so we can claim what it is, who he is. Exactly. That he's doing in us. So It's all him. about knowing him. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I love this lady, y'all. I've got to get to know her. And I'm so glad you had the opportunity to kind of dip into her life just a little bit. Mm. You have no idea what someone else is going through and what God can use in your life as, mm -hmm. a, as a real hardship in order to, for you to use Him, to claim Him, to get on His back, like you <laughs> say, piggyback. Uh, for Him to carry <laughs> us through those times. And mm -hmm. to, there's no better thing I know in my life than to have gone through something and to know that it was Him who got me through mm -hmm. that. And to watch what he's done and his graciousness and his love and his just pouring out of showing me that he was there in the process. Exactly. And then he's bringing you on the other side and it's, hey, what next, God? You know, not that you're asking for trials, <laughs> no. for sure. But it's like, what what mm -hmm. can I do now? And the, the people's lives that you're going to be able to impact mm -hmm. that you are impacting because mm -hmm. of the trials that you went through. And I just say thank you. Well, you know, he, he tells us that we're overcomers because he overcame. We're more than conquerors because he conquered the enemy when he went to the cross. And he says he always causes us to triumph. And I try to remember those three things. So how can we be losers when he says we're overcomers, we're conquerors? And, right. And he always causes us to triumph. But the enemy does make you feel like you're the only one. Yeah. You're by yourself and nobody else feels the way you do. But that's just a lie. It is. That's just a lie. Yep. But we all have one God that we can go to, that we can count on to get us Amen. through it if we will. Amen. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We appreciate that. I uh, hope this has made a difference in your life today. Visit us at yesyoucangirl.com for more. Have a blessed day.